Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get your food. Your pet has a food. very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage get for your pets with any auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show. Of course, I am Matt Lombardo, fan-sided's national NFL insider. And right out of the chute, right out of the gate, just want to wish everybody out there a very Merry Christmas. If you're heading to Grandma's house on Christmas Eve and tuning in, thank you. I truly appreciate you. Happy holidays to everybody out there. We've had a really wild NFL season, and I appreciate you joining me for the ride. If this is your first time listening to the Matt Lombardo Show, Inside Fansided Stacked in the Box podcast feed, welcome. I appreciate you as well. It's going to be a really fun show. We have former Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs cornerback Mark McMillan to pick his thoughts on some of the top cornerbacks in this league, the Kansas City Chiefs renaissance on defense over the second half of this season, and of course what the Eagles have been able to do quietly sneaking up the ladder in the NFC wildcard race and maybe even making an impact in the NFC East race down the stretch here as well. But as always, before we get into all of that and a whole lot more, A little bit of housekeeping for you. If you enjoy the podcast, it would really mean a lot to me if you went ahead and you subscribed to Stacking the Box in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, the YouTube channel, all of those places. And if you really enjoy the Matt Lombardo Show, if you tune in every week, if you enjoy the guests that we've been able to get, if you love the analysis, if you're a fan of my work, please leave a five-star review for Stacking the Box and mention the Matt Lombardo Show. It helps grow the show. Whether you want to let me know a guest that you're interested in hearing from, I'll go try and get them on. If you want to make a bold prediction for the second half of the season, I'll read that on the next podcast as well. But really, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, leave those five-star reviews. It helps grow the show. And let's just get right into it because it's been a really bizarre week, kind of unprecedented across the NFL, not only with the COVID issues of last weekend in the NFL, moving two games to Tuesday night in addition to a Monday night doubleheader. By the way, I think that we should have have Monday night doubleheaders every week. One game kicks off at 6, one game kicks off at 9.30. East Coast dads can pour themselves a scotch, catch that second game when the wife and kids go to bed. What a great way to start out the work week, but I digress. I think that the games on Tuesday night were far more interesting. I think they're far more consequential in terms of the long-term trajectory of a franchise like the Seattle Seahawks in the NFC East race and the NFC wildcard race and what we saw in Philadelphia. I thought that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles showed a lot of moxie and a lot of character in the second half of that game against Washington, and I know that it was Gary Eric Gilbert, who was on the New England Patriots practice squad like eight days ago. He probably had less than 100 reps in Washington's system leading up to that game and was thrown into the mix as the starting quarterback as of 4 p.m. when Taylor Heineke and, and Allen, Kyle Allen couldn't get cleared through the COVID protocols. But the Eagles defense clamped down the second half. Jalen Hurts stepped up and Miles Sanders for the second week in a row. 
went out and set a personal best with 131 rushing yards, a career high for the second time in two weeks. Listen, I, I think that this is an Eagles team in that division that has a real chance. Now, the division could get wrapped up. The Cowboys, there are some scenarios out there where they can clinch the division crown before they even kick off against Washington on Sunday Night Football. And I think the Cowboys are clearly um, among the top three teams in the NFC, maybe even the top two right alongside the Green Bay Packers. We'll get into why a little bit later on but you know watching that game on Tuesday night it got me thinking there aren't that many franchises across the league right now that have as good a chance this year to make the postseason and maybe even make some noise if they make the playoffs and to build for the future than the Philadelphia Eagles are I could think of three off the top of my head that have some of the ingredients to make a run this year but are also incredibly well positioned to build for the future. And the top three, in my opinion, starting with number three, are the Cincinnati Bengals. Because I really like Zach Taylor as a head coach. I like the philosophy. I think his players have really bought in to what he's tried to build in Cincinnati. And it doesn't hurt that you have Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's already a top 10 quarterback in this league, maybe better than that. They've already surrounded Burrow with a dynamic set of wide receivers, starting with a top 10 receiver, and maybe better than that in this league in Jamar Chase. They have T. Higgins. They have Tyler Boyd. If you think back to the preseason, I was really high on the Bengals because of that receiving core. And while Cincinnati has kind of not necessarily lived up to expectations, they're right there in the AFC North race. They're right in the hunt for that division title. And by and large, they're there because of Joe Burrow and those wide receivers. And in addition to those playmakers on offense, they have the third, third most cap space in the NFL going into this offseason with right around $60 million to continue to build around Burrow and those receivers in that offense. So I like Cincinnati's future a lot. Not quite as much as the top two on this list, because I think there's a clear line of demarcation between the Bengals and these other two teams, the first of which, and to me, the team that's second best positioned to build for the future while winning now is the Los Angeles Chargers. First and foremost, you have Justin Herbert. And you watch Justin Herbert this year, he seems to get better each and every week. He already owns the record for the most passing yards through the first two seasons of a career, passing Andrew Luck last week. He has Dan Marino in his sights for the most passing touchdowns through the first two seasons of a quarterback's career. He's probably breaking that record by season's end. He's an all-pro. And you watch Justin Herbert, he might be the best quarterback in this league right now. I think there's a legitimate MVP case to be made for Justin Herbert. And if nothing else, he's the best quarterback in the league right now, not named Patrick Mahomes. And he has a really bright, lofty future. And in addition to Herbert on that offense, they have some great receivers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams among them, especially now that they've figured out a way to get Williams involved as a legitimate red zone threat. But they also have a criminally underrated running back in Austin Eckler. You watch this kid, he's a hard runner. He has explosiveness. He's not afraid to fight for those dirty yards between the tackles, and he's great in short yardage situations as well. So I really like what the Chargers have on offense. And here's the rub about the LA Chargers. It's not just the pieces that have in place right now. It's not just that they have Justin Herbert to build around. They have more cap space than any team in the league. The Chargers have $75 million in cap space this offseason to continue building around Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and the whole bunch. And here's the deal with that. Not only are they better positioned than any team, if you're a free agent, 
Is there anywhere else that you'd want to play other than Los Angeles in that stadium with that quarterback? It's tempting for me to put the Chargers at the very top of these future rankings because they have the assets, they have the quarterback, and they have the dream place to play in arguably the NFL's premier stadium in sunny Los Angeles. Who wouldn't want to play there if you're a free agent? But here's the rub. The Chargers are a real dark horse contender to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this year. They've already beaten Patrick Mahomes once. They took the Chiefs to overtime a second time. They're going to have to potentially go on the road in an AFC championship game situation, but they're the best team on that side of the bracket, not named Kansas City, to have a real chance to go to a Super Bowl this year. And I don't know that we've ever seen a situation where a team has this much young talent at so many key positions with that much cap space. If they go on to win a Super Bowl, they're going to be better positioned than anybody to compete for Super Bowls in the future. But there's one team that I think has the Chargers beat in terms of their assets, in terms of their ability to build a winner for the next half decade or longer. And it's the Philadelphia Eagles. And again, you look at Jalen Hurts against Washington on Tuesday night. He threw for 296, one touchdown, one interception. And that touchdown was one of the more impressive throws you've seen a quarterback make all year on the run into an incredibly tight window to Greg Ward in the corner of the end zone. But, you know, I'm not sure what the Eagles do with Jalen Hurts watching him in that game. I feel like he has the ability to make all the throws. I feel like he's improving as the year goes along. And I think the Eagles can win with Jalen Hurts. But regardless, the Eagles have three first-round picks. They're going to have at least one pick in the top 10, it would seem, from the Miami Dolphins, depending on what happens, especially Sunday, against the Jets with Robert Saleh and others on the COVID-19 list. If the Jets somehow pull off an upset, that's only going to help the Eagles and their draft positioning for next spring. But they have four picks in the top 60, And they have $15 million in cap space to continue building out that roster. And it's a pretty strong, pretty young roster. When you look at teams across the NFC, they already have an all-pro caliber wide receiver and a dynamic playmaker in Devontae Smith, who's only going to get better. He was the number 10 pick in the draft for a very legitimate reason. You have a Pro Bowl caliber tight end in Dallas Goddard, who you've locked up on a long-term extension for the next five years. And he's one of... Jalen Hurts' favorite, most trusted weapons. You saw that the other night, that weird interception notwithstanding. You have a top five offensive line, and if Jason Kelsey, a future Hall of Fame center, retires this offseason, which he's been flirting with retirement probably for the last three or four years, if this is the year that Kelsey decides to hang him up, they already have Landon Dickerson on the roster as the heir apparent at center, and the defense has some holes. But you look in the secondary, Rodney McLeod, still a pretty good playmaker, Darius Slay, Maybe a dark horse for Defensive Player of the Year, certainly a pro bowler on merit. And really, you know, you look at the interceptions this year, you look at the PFF numbers in terms of coverage and the metrics, having a really standout year. Top five corner, I would think, in this league, certainly maybe a notch below Trayvon Diggs and Jalen Ramsey, but he's in that conversation. They have some holes, but who in the NFC doesn't? And regardless of what they do at quarterback, which if they stick with Jalen Hurts, You're going into the third year of a rookie contract with a guy who you picked in the second round, so you're not committed to the quarterback position. And I'm starting to think, based on what we saw against Washington and what we've seen over the second half of the season, that you can win with Jalen Hurts. And if that's the direction the Eagles decide to go and they don't flip 
two first-round picks or three first-round picks for Russell Wilson, which I think would elevate them into the Super Bowl pantheon next year right away, or they don't trade for a Derek Carr or a Jimmy Garoppolo or one of these veteran quarterbacks, and they build around Hurts, well, they have the assets in the cap space to build a pretty dominant roster around him for years to come. So I think the teams that are best positioned not only to make a a sleeper sort of run this year, but more importantly, build in the future are the Bengals, the Chargers, and the Eagles. We'll see what happens this rest of this season down the stretch, and we'll certainly have to keep an eye on these teams going into the offseason. On the other side, former NFL cornerback for the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles, Mark McMillan, joins me next, right here on the Mount Bombardo Show, inside fan-sided Stack in the Box podcast feed. I want to tell you about one of my favorite new podcasts, The Knuckleheads. The Knuckleheads podcast brings some of the best NBA players, past and present, to have totally unguarded conversations about sports, culture, and basketball nostalgia. Hosted by former NBA players Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles, it's their seventh season doing the podcast. Guests this season have already included Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Sue Bird, and DeMar DeRozan. NBA veterans Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles are lifelong friends and bona fide truth tellers. Listen as they invite special guests high-profile athletes, musicians, and entertainers to get brutally honest about everything from current events to untold stories from the golden era of sports and culture. Named for their on-court celebration they made wildly popular, this unfiltered, hilarious, and surprising podcast is like playing NBA 2K with no foul. So be sure to check out the Knucklehead Podcast with Quentin Richardson and DeMar DeRozan. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back in, and this is a conversation I'm really excited about, a guy that I grew up watching as I was becoming an NFL fan. That's former Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs cornerback Mark McMillan. You can follow him on Twitter at MarkMcMillan29, and we're going to get into some of his business ventures he has going on, something you got to check out and got to give a try. Mark, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Matt. Definitely appreciate you having me on. Of course, happy to have you here. And, you know, wanted to get you on to talk about this resurgence, this renaissance that we've seen from the Kansas City Chiefs this season. It's really been a tale of two seasons for them. And when you watch them on Sundays or check out their film, what's been the biggest secret to their turnaround on defense? Because if I told you a month ago that it was Steve Spagnuolo's defense that was powering this turnaround, you would have laughed me right off the call. Yeah, it's a, it's been a, a, a probably one of the surprises of the National Football League this year because – you know, everybody counted them out. You know, I, I had doubts as well. Um, you know, they were giving up a lot of points. Uh, the offense was looking really bad. You know, a lot of people don't want to say it, but Patrick Mahomes in the offense, they were looking really bad. And, you know, a, a lot of people were taking their shots at them and, and, and going in there and running the ball down our throats. Uh, you know, they were getting after, getting after Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, I thought he was rolling out of the pocket a little bit too much, trying to make things happen and forcing the issue instead of just getting the ball out and letting, you know, Kelsey and Hill and those guys make plays. And also with a layer coming back in the backfield definitely helped out a lot because, you know, when he's scrambling, he's looking downfield, but with a layer in the backfield, uh, it's a shorter throw out of the backfield for him. And it's a security blanket. So 
you know, they've been doing a great job. Yeah, obviously, you know, now all of a sudden everybody's on Spags. Spags is trained, you know, Spags is coming up in all these head coaching jobs that's going to be available. Uh, but, you know, he's doing a good job. Um, you know, the goals, those guys stayed focused. Um, you know, they made a couple of adjustments uh, on the D-line uh, that helped out big time moving Jones inside. So, you know, some big time help in, inside. And Matthew is the, the, the glue to the defense and he's out there just making plays. And for sure, they go out and they bring in Melvin Ingram. And it seems like it's really turned around for them. And you played corner in the NFL behind one of the all-time greats in Reggie White. How much easier does it make a secondary to fly around to the football when you have somebody like a Melvin Ingram up front or, in your case, a Reggie White? Well, everybody knows if you're a defensive back, you know, we like to be cocky. We like to be, uh, you know, a little flamboyant. But a good defense is nothing without a good defense alignment. And Reggie White made me and Eric Allen, uh, you know, job a lot easier by, you know, getting a lot of pressure on those guys. And, you know, when you can have a D lineman, you, you look at Aaron Donald and what he's able to do with the Rams and force so many bad throws for the quarterbacks. And, and you know, it, it's a big plus to have a guy coming off the edge or even a linebacker or a playmaker. Uh, you take uh, back in the day with Brian Dawkins, the way they used him in so many ways, uh, you know, just around the line of scrimmage and just wreaking havoc. So, you know, having a good defense alignment is key for a good secondary. For sure. And, you know, there's a lot of conversation about some of the big moves that went down at the deadline. I'm not so sure the Von Miller trade worked out all that well for the Rams, or at least how they would have anticipated. Is adding Melvin Ingram one of the more underrated moves of the NFL season? I think it is. And, you know, it's, it's definitely playing off, especially with his leadership. Uh, you know, he's really getting after the quarterback. He's finding his way uh, into the defense. You know, he's feeling more comfortable. Um, you know, it's it's kind of tough, you know, when you go from team to team. The schemes are just pretty much the same, but you got to be able to gel with your teammates. And, you know, it took me a while, uh, you know, in Philadelphia when I first broke the lineup to really get comfortable uh, and start being able to trust my technique and trust myself and trust my teammates. You know, let's branch out to the whole league right now in the position that you're so intimately familiar with, and that's a corner. Everyone knows Jalen Ramsey. Everyone knows Trayvon Diggs. But who are the one or two cornerbacks around the NFL that catch your eye every week when you're watching the games? Um, I, I still like Patrick uh, Peterson. You know, I, I still like him with the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, he's been up and down. He's been hurt. Uh, but, you know, he, he's one of the guys that I really like. And I'm a little biased. He's a nickelback, and I was a nickelback to Elijah Moden, the rookie out of uh, Washington who plays for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know, I grew up watching this kid play since he was like eight or nine years old. I played with his dad, Alex Moden, you know, with the New Orleans Saints. So I'm a little biased to to my guy, Alex. So, you know, I just got to go with, with those guys. You know, those guys are still getting it done at a high level. Uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills has a really good secondary. Um, I could say Jalen is probably, you know, one of the best out there. But what Diggs is doing in Dallas is ridiculous. Oh, it really is. And he goes out and he sets the Alabama record for interceptions by an NFL player. You played yeah, in Alabama. Broke he broke your record, <laughs> broke your record. You know, I'm sure you watched him when he was back in Tuscaloosa. I'm sure you watch him on Sundays now. What jumps out for him? And what did you see in him in college that might have translated to what he's doing in Dallas right now? Um, the Nick Saban effect. You know, you look at most yeah. of the defensive back came out of Alabama. Those guys are coached up. They come in highly regarded, four or five-star guys, but he coaches those guys up for the next level. Uh, you know, you look at, uh, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who went from corner, who's playing safety now. You know, those guys are versatile, and they were doing that in college. So when they go to the next level, it's a lot easier for these guys, and, and he makes it look so easy uh, every Sunday. And it's like, 
he's a must-watch player. And, you know, I'm not a Cowboy fan at all, you know, playing in Philadelphia. But I am a big Diggs fan. Just the confidence that he exudes out there on the playing field, he's, you know, he's just – he's taking all comers. So what was the reaction when you saw him break the record? I was excited. I, I sent him a tweet. Uh, you know, I know uh, back in college, Mika Fitzpatrick broke my touchdown uh, interception record at Alabama. And then Diggs goes on to break the uh, the Alabama record for a, a player in a season. So I still got him. I still a little bit up on him on, on as far as touchdowns. I had three touchdown returns in one season. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he break that record as well. Yeah, he, he's certainly making a strong case for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I think Micah Parsons is in that conversation. And, yeah. you know, you look at the Cowboys, and I know you're not a Dallas Cowboy fan, but their brand of football travels, man. If you can run the ball late offensively and if you can create the kind of turnovers they're playing on, they're creating on defense, that's a tough formula to beat in the postseason. Yeah, it is. And they're using Zeke wisely now. You know, they're not running him into the ground. You know, he did take a couple of games off as well to, you know, kind of refresh his body. And I think they're just gearing up for that playoff run and knowing they have to have all guys on deck. And uh, you, you you speak of Mika Parsons, you know, what he's able to do. You know, uh, no one really was really highly touted on this guy. He was a great player coming out of college. But what he is doing right now is, uh, you know, is almost what, you know, Young was doing last year. Uh, for the Washington football team. He's just wreaking havoc out there, demanding double teams and making, you know, uh, caliber throws by quarterbacks. And who's on the other end to receive those? Mr. Diggs. Yeah, oh, no doubt about it. They're a dynamic duo in Dallas right now. I want to pick your brain a little bit about Jalen Ramsey. And I think if you talk to people, he's kind of the gold standard among NFL corners. According to Pro Football Focus, quarterbacks have a 76.3 passer rating throwing in that direction. Probably not a great bet to throw to his side of the field. Uh, I, I would not think that. And I, I know now inside as well, um, you know, taking on that challenge of being the nickel back uh, playing inside, you know, letting those guys, you know, still play on the outside. So they're just, they're doing different things in their secondary. Uh, obviously when you have Aaron Donald, you know, you can do a lot of different things in your secondary and, you know, I, I would not throw Mr. Ramsey's way. Obviously quarterbacks have to, you know, challenge him. You know, if he's on your best receiver, you got to go his way at some time. But, you know, what he's able to do, he's an old throwback defensive back. You know, he'll get in your face. Uh, he'll challenge you. He don't care about getting a 15-yard penalty. But if you're a receiver and you know that, and mostly receivers are not built, you know, the old school way to be able to take that physical pounding, that's where he uh, has a big advantage on these receivers who don't like to be touched. And another team that I think is playing a really physical brand of football and kind of peaking at the right time is the San Francisco 49ers. What makes yeah. them so dangerous right now? Because it seems like they have the offense in Kyle Shanahan, but they're, they're sneakily, you know, even exceeding the expectations for that side of the ball too. Yeah, they're, they're doing real good. You know, they're, they're just flying under the radar. You know, three weeks ago, everybody wrote them off. You know, they were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, get him out of there. Uh, you know, they had some injuries, uh, you know, in the wide receiver position, the running backs position, they had some injuries. Uh, but what Bosa is able to do off that corner, like I say, when you ever have a, a guy that can put, rush the passer, you know, it, it helps those guys out big time. And they're having fun. If you look at the San Francisco 49ers and you just watch them as a whole, those guys are flying around the football and having fun. And, you know, they can run the ball as well. As long as Jimmy don't turn the ball over, those guys are going to be in a lot of games. And with the Arizona Cardinals going backwards, you know, it, that division is kind of like wide open right now. We, you know, the 49ers are still in the hunt. Obviously, the Rams are, are, are the team to beat because they did go and uh, beat the Cardinals at home last week. 
What do you make of Arizona? Because last year you saw them kind of stumble down the stretch. You've now lost two in a row to the Rams, which that's a toss-up game in your division. Those things happen. But to have that kind of effort on Sunday against the Lions, why is it this team can't close? It's two years in a row now that we're having the same conversation. When you watch them, what do you see? Um, I just see inexperience. Um, You know, I know I was talking to a buddy of mine, Byron Evans, who played with me in Philadelphia. And, you know, you look, when I was back in Arizona, every station was talking about Kyler Murray, bringing him the MVP, you know, talking about he's better than Rodgers and, you know, better than Tom Brady. And, you know, those guys haven't done anything yet. You know, they haven't won a playoff game yet. You know, they really haven't did anything to warrant that attention. You know, they had all eyes on them last week in a primetime game to shut down the naysayers and they, they just laid an egg on yeah. national TV. Yeah, for sure. And I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about NIL in college football, because we saw on signing day, you saw Deion Sanders steal away the number one overall <laughs> recruit in this class from Florida state, right? You know, you played at Alabama, obviously the Crimson Tide are a gold standard as far as modern programs go. How does NIL affect them? Does it level the playing field in college football or does it make it even more attractive to go play for Nick Saban and go play for that brand? Um, I, I think you you have to be able to have something that you can brand. You know, a lot of people look at the NIL and say, hey, these guys are going to these major schools. They're getting a lot of money. And like Dion said, you still got to go out there and perform. You know, no one's going to go out and buy a nice Jaguar if it doesn't perform well. Right. You, know, you, you still got to go out there and make plays. Uh, you got to make a company. Uh, why would they want to promote you if you're just an average player? So I, I don't think if, if you can go to any school. Uh, you know, everybody has a great alumni base. But there's no better promoter in the game right now than in college football than Deion Sanders with all the stuff he has from Aflac to Barstow's uh, to, you know, all these commercials, endorsement deals. You know, it, it's, it's enticing for a young 17-year-old kid. And you can obviously sign a deal that can pay you 100 grand coming out of high school. And, you know, you, be, you can be able to take care of your family. So, you know, what he's doing is, uh, you know, opening a playing field for everybody. And I know a lot of people don't like him, don't like his way he, he does things, but he's always been like that. You know, Dion is a brand, you know, that that's his brand. And he's doing a great job of getting young men uh, down there to, uh, you know, Jackson, Mississippi. Do you think think he stays there? I mean, right. Because it's, I love that it's an HBCU. I love that he's creating opportunities there, but is there going to come a time when a Florida or a Miami or hell a USC in, in four years, maybe comes open and they see what Dion's doing. And do, do you think he winds up at one of those marquee jobs? Um, that's pretty interesting. I know he did, you know, have a little twinkle in his eye about the Florida State job. And a lot of people wished he would have, you know, they would have went after him before they, you know, went after Norvell. But, you know, um, I, I really think the way Dion is, the way he's engro- engraved into the African-American community, um, he's all about, you know, bringing change and trying to bring everybody together as a whole, uh, it's going to be a, a, a big time uh, get if any major college gets him. Because if Deion Sanders comes into your love, living room as a young 17, 18 year old kid and an African American kid, he's going to sell that program. And it, the proof is in the pudding. You know, a lot of people talked about the hype, but he just signed the number one or number two overall recruit in the nation. Number one? And yeah. Yeah. If you, if you look at this young man on tape, He's every bit of uh, all the hype. So, you know, I'm sure he's got paid a lot of money. And that's what every kid wants to get that opportunity. And you get to learn from one of the best to ever do it in Deion Sanders. 
Oh, no doubt about it. At your position. And, you know, another guy out of Alabama who is really facing a make or break year. And I think it, in some ways doing some really good things in some others, it still remains to be seen. That's Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, your old stomping grounds. The Eagles are really uniquely positioned here. They have three first round picks. They have a second year, former second round pick in Hurts at quarterback. When you watch the Eagles, where do they go from here? Do you commit to Jalen Hurts and build around him? Do they need to go and get another quarterback using those first round picks? What do you think the Eagles should do there? Um, that's that's a good question. And, you know, if you look at Jalen Hurts' numbers, he's still a rookie. And, you know, his his numbers are still good. You know, obviously Philadelphia is an, it's a tough town to play in. And, you know, they garner a lot of attention, and, and particularly the quarterback spot. And, you know, with three first-round picks, thank you, you know, Mr. Wentz, right. you know. <laughs> you know, they're in a really good position to see how this thing plays out. You know, he has a big-time game tonight against a division foe uh, with the Washington football team. So he's coming off an injury, so we'll see how that works. You know, a lot of people were on the Minshew mania wagon lad, you know, two weeks ago when they went out and beat the lonely Jets. It was only the Jets. You know, right. but, uh, you know, he's he's under a lot of pressure. And, you know, if you watch his career over college football, he's always been under that pressure. And, you know, he's always been underdog or counted out. And he's always come through big time. So, I, you know, I'm looking for big things for him tonight. Hopefully they can get a good game, game plan for him uh, that he's not running for his life and be able to use the running game. Uh, as to just trying to ask him to throw 40 or 50 times and rush for 100 yards. And you spent a good chunk of your career in Philadelphia, as we've talked about. You've shared a secondary with Eric Allen. Are you surprised at this point that Allen's not in the Hall of Fame? Oh, my God. It is a, it is a travesty. And, you know, it seems like year in and year out, uh, you know, the frustration just builds. You know, he's not a big social media guy. Uh, he's not a big rah-rah guy. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, there's a lot of people that played in our era. Uh, particularly their era with some of the writers, they didn't like the way the Philadelphia Eagles played defense. And, yeah. you know, it was almost like the Bears. A lot of people didn't like the Bears, and some of the players that on that team should have been Hall of Famers. And you, you look at the defense, they were number one overall at one point. And the only guy that's in the, in the Hall of Fame on that defense is Reggie White. So you, you, you can't tell me that Eric Allen, who's like a seven, eight-time Pro Bowler, top 10 in, in, in the sessions return, uh, one of the best players to ever do it. And, you know, at that time it was Dion, there was uh, Daryl Green, uh, there was Chris Dishman, and there was Eric, Eric Allen, and obviously Aeneas Williams in in, uh, in Arizona. But, you know, Dishman's the only guy that's not in, but Aeneas Williams got in and Eric Allen can't get in. So right. nothing against Aeneas Williams, you know, a great player. But if you look at the body of the work and, the, and what he was asked to do, you know, it, it, it goes unnoticed. No, I, I totally agree. And just looking at the other side of the ball, you see quarterbacks like Michael Vick and what he was able to do in his career, what Lamar Jackson is doing now already with an MVP and maybe to a somewhat lesser extent what, what Josh Allen is doing in Buffalo. Does that make it all the more confusing that someone like Randall Cunningham, who was a forerunner to the mobile quarterback, you know, he went to an NFC title game with the Vikings. Is it any more confusing or surprising in your opinion, based on the way we see quarterbacks playing now that Randall Cunningham's not in the Hall of Fame? Um, he's, he's another shocker. And, you know, I know a lot of people say, Hey, he didn't win a Super Bowl. Neither did Dan Marino, you know, Dan Marino right. never won a Super Bowl either. And, you know, Warren Moon never won a Super Bowl, you know, but those guys are in the, in the hall of fame. And you look at the way these guys play the game. Um, he, the one that, you know, I used to see that in practice back in the nineties, what these guys are doing now. And now all of a sudden, you know, you get Lamar, you see these running quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, and everybody's like, Oh my God, it's the greatest thing. Like, I, I challenge your fans and your listeners to Google Randall Cunningham and watch some of his highlights. And you can't tell me 
uh, that this young man's name should not be in the, in the National Football Hall of Fame. He was the MVP, two times MVP. Uh, you know, <laughs> the numbers just speak for themselves. Yeah, oh, no doubt. And I, and I think in a lot of ways, Randall Cunningham changed the way the position of quarterback has played 30 years on. Now, you know, let's switch gears a little bit here because, you know, my wife got me a Blackstone griddle for my birthday back in July. I'm completely <laughs> hooked, right? I, 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 I walk outside to make scrambled eggs on this thing, Mark. That's how hooked on the Blackstone I am. I know you have Grill and McMillan going. I've checked out some of the sauces, some of the rubs. Tell me how that venture came to be and, and just a little bit on how you got into barbecuing. Um, it was probably like, it's been a six, seven year long process. You know, a lot of people just see the uh, finished product now. It's like, oh my gosh, he's got some season now. He got some sauce. No, it was me and my buddy, Sean Hampton and uh, Milt Bug were in Arizona in the kitchen with blenders, KitchenAids, you know, knives and forks and spoons and just trying out every kind of spice that we can on every piece of fish, vegetables, meat. So it's been a long process. And, you know, I finally got uh, it into production uh, three weeks ago. We launched our online sales. Nice. Uh, I think in two weeks, I had like 80 units sold, which was great, just online advertisement. So I I'm really excited about that. And, you know, just through COVID, you know, you couldn't go out to eat. You know, uh, you know, it was a lot of shortage of everything. So I just started grilling every day. And, you know, I picked up a grill sponsor, uh, Dynaglow, uh, out of Chicago. You know, a couple other uh, charcoal sponsors as well, mm -hmm. wine sponsors. So things have been going good, man. And I've just been grilling. I grill like five or six days a week. Wow, that's awesome. I want to be you when I grow up, right? You can just live <laughs> on the grill. What's your go-to? What's your favorite recipe to, to, to slap down on the grill? Um, last night, we had some T-bones and some New York strips. And, you know, I just put a little bit of olive oil. I have my own olive oil also. It's called Mighty Mesquite Olive Oil. So nice. You can also, you know, just lather that a little bit on there and then, you know, medium rare. And I had a little garlic compound butter mixed with blue cheese to oh. lather steak and it came out good. So steaks is my go to. I love to smoke ribs. Uh, this this uh, Christmas, I'm going to do a brisket and some beef ribs and a tri-tip, you know, for the family. So I'm excited about that. All right. So here's the deal. When I lived, you know, my first apartment out of college, there was a wing spot around the corner. The, the dry rub on these wings were just phenomenal. And dry rub wings, they're hard to come by, especially in the right. Northeast. Is right. there anything at Grill and McMillan that I should rush out to buy right now to, to dry rub my wings to try to replicate that, that recipe? Well, if, if you like a little sweet heat, I would recommend the cooking with Clara. Uh, if you like a little bit of spicy dry rub, I, was, I would advise you to get the suit and booting. And there's a story behind both of those seasons. Cooking with Clara is named after my grandma. So, oh, nice. you know. That's real sentimental. You know, her name was Clara Jones and Sutton and Booten is named after my granddad. Uh, as you know, you know, our older grandparents were always dressed up, nice suit or nice tie and slacks all the time. So I, I named those two after them. And, and some of the proceeds uh, from the sales goes back uh, to our foundation called the Lift Program that uh, empowers young men who are being harassed and bullied. So I'm not just selling seasons, you know, I'm giving paying homage to my grandparents and I'm also giving back to uh, charity as well. Oh, that's phenomenal. I love it. I'm going to make sure I go to grilling with McMillan right after this. I'm going to order up both dry rubs. There you go. <laughs> and everybody needs to go to grillingwithmcmillan.com, pick up your sauces, pick up your dry rubs, and get out there on the barbecue. It's for a great cause. Amen, man. Like I said, I appreciate you having me on. I'm looking forward to getting those sales in. And like I said, you know, it's not just fat in my pockets. Um, you know, I'm doing this and I'm giving some of the proceeds away to our foundation. So in the summer, we'll better take our young kids uh, that's been harassed and bullied to summer camps and to Eagles training camps. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm not just blessing people on the grill. I'm blessing young men's in their community as well. Terrific. I love it. I love the venture. Make sure you check out Mark McMillan on Twitter at MarkMcMillan29. Hit up Grilling with McMillan. It's all for a great cause. Mark, this has been terrific. Appreciate the time and look forward to talking to you further up the road, my friend. Uh, thank you for having me on, man. And looking forward to seeing some of those pictures of uh, those dry rub wings. Oh, they'll be heading your way. No doubt about that. Have a great holiday, Mark, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you very much. Just outstanding stuff there from Mark McMillan. I really enjoyed picking his brain a little bit about the top corners, especially Trayvon Diggs, a guy who also went to Alabama. Diggs, of course, now with 10 interceptions and one shy, one interception shy of Mark McMillan's record for returns for a touchdown by an Alabama player with two. I don't know, man. I'm not sure that Mark McMillan is going to finish this season with that record. I think Trayvon Diggs has a good chance of breaking that mark as well. But either way, check out grillingwithmcmillan.com. Go check out the wing sauces, the barbecue sauces, the dry rubs, all the good stuff. Really appreciate Mark McMillan taking the time. And for the Dallas Cowboys this week against a Washington football team that's getting Taylor Heineke back at quarterback that's coming off a really short week against the Eagles on Tuesday night, which we touched on earlier on in the podcast I kind of like Diggs's chances of getting an interception in that game and the Cowboys chances of inching one step closer to winning the NFC East it might already be wrapped up by the time they kick off on Sunday night football against a Washington football team that's getting Taylor Heineke back I kind of like Diggs's chances of breaking the record or at least tying the record with Mark McMillan and I like the Cowboys chances of winning that football game especially given the fact that Washington's coming off a super short week having to play on Tuesday night in Philadelphia still dealing with some of their COVID issues it's going to be a great game on Sunday night I think the Cowboys kind of played down to the level of competition last week against a New York Giants team that Trotted Mike Glennon out there, quarterback, eventually with about four minutes left, went to Jake Fromm, probably a little bit too late in that game to make that change to have any sort of impact. But you look at the Cowboys and you look at the Washington football team, I like Dallas in this one, the better quarterback situation, more to play for, potentially... But if the Cowboys already have the division wrapped up by the time they kick off on Sunday night, maybe it's a different conversation. I think it's going to be a really interesting slate of games, some division games across the league. We'll get into that and a whole lot more on the other side right here on the Matt Lombardo Show. Inside Fanside is Stacking the Box podcast feed. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Welcome back in. If you're the NFL, I don't know that you're going to dreamt up a better week 16 scenario than what we have in front of us for Christmas weekend. Beginning on Christmas Day with Browns and Packers. You know, you look at the slate this weekend, there's no shortage of 10 or 11 games with legitimate playoff implications. And there's a couple that stand above the rest. Both of them on Christmas Day, I think are going to be fantastic, especially after the Browns kind of played their way back into the AFC North race last week with the win on Monday night against the Raiders. You have the Packers entering as the de facto number one seed with home field advantage in their sights, and Aaron Rodgers looking to, as I spoke to some people inside the league this week, solidify his legacy as one of the top quarterbacks to ever play the game by not coming up short another playoff run, looking for his second Super Bowl, but the the nightcap might be even better and certainly more important for both teams if you're the Indianapolis Colts 
you want to show that last week's win over the New England Patriots at home wasn't a fluke. But if you're the Cardinals, if you're Arizona, boy, you got to get back on track. It's one thing a couple weeks ago to lose to Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams, even though I think that loss exposed further a lot of flaws about the Arizona Cardinals, about Kyler Murray, about Cliff Kingsbury, especially how it ended in the waning moments and kind of the confusion about that final play call with Kyler Murray, you got to show you can bounce back. Because it's one thing to lose to the Rams. It's one thing to come up small against a division opponent. It's one thing to melt down late, even if this is your track record and this seems to be your identity and seems to be what you are. It's a whole other thing to go on the road against the Detroit Lions and get your doors blown off like Arizona did last week. So Colts-Cardinals is a really interesting, fascinating game with implications on both sides of the bracket because the Cardinals are no longer the number one seed. They're looking to fight and scratch and claw their way back. And the Colts are looking to solidify their chances to make it on the AFC side. And then you have Rams-Vikings, a real Jekyll and Hyde team in Minnesota and a high-powered offense in the Rams. Rams looking to make it two in a row and obviously kind of slam the door shut on the Vikings and their playoff hopes. That's going to be a really good game. But, you know, somehow, some way, Bills-Patriots is a 1 o'clock kickoff on Sunday. I mean, you talk about a clunker of a 1 o'clock slate last weekend where none of the games were particularly interesting, where none of them really carried that much of you know postseason implications. This week is completely different. Bills-Patriots, 1 o'clock, the biggest game of the year for the Buffalo Bills. Two weeks ago, they go down to Tampa Bay, play really well. You know, they have to come back and force overtime. They, they can't get it done, and Tom Brady goes down, you know, throws his 700th touchdown or whatever it was, wins the game in comeback fashion. This now is a game for the Bills. If you win, you have a legitimate chance not only to make the postseason, but win the AFC East. And you have a real chance to drive an early dagger in the Patriots' hearts. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about New England as the most complete team in the league. We are talking about a, a method that travels, playing defense, running the football, stopping the run. Didn't travel last week. Indianapolis came up really small in a sneakily big game. Now you have the Patriots playing for the playoff lives and the Bills certainly playing for their postseason lives as well at 8-6, and six, already with one loss to Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. If they win that game on the road in Foxborough, man, look out, because the Bills are a team that I wouldn't want to face the rest of the way. Ravens-Bengals, that might be the game that decides the AFC North because the Bengals have played their way back into the conversation after losing to the Chargers. Who knows what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson in this game. But that might not even matter after Hunley plays the Ravens down to a final possession, a touchdown with the opportunity to win the game with a two-point conversion with Aaron Rodgers on the other side. I mean, that was a hell of a performance, as gutty a performance as we've seen from any backup quarterbacks around the league this season. They go on the road to Cincinnati and a Bengals team with Joe Burrow, who's playing really, really well. They lost to the Niners two weeks ago by a field goal in overtime at home. That was that epic battle where you came out of it thinking, you know what, one of these teams might have the opportunity to be this year's Buccaneers and kind of come from the bottom of the bracket and make a Super Bowl run. They go on the road last week and they escape with a win over the Broncos and Denver's right in the AFC playoff mix as well. If they win, if the Bengals win, that's going to really solidify their chances, the team to beat in the AFC North. So that's a really interesting game. And in the late window, you have Chiefs Steelers. And on paper, this is a mismatch. On paper, this is a game that the Chiefs should win by 14, 17 plus. 
but you've had them dealing with a COVID outbreak all week. There have been 14 or 15 players added to the COVID-19 list. Travis Kelsey at one point this week tested positive. They're at home, but who knows what the Chiefs are going to look like on Sunday. But I still think with all of the depth and all of the talent and Patrick Mahomes, so long as he doesn't test positive for COVID sometime between now and kickoff on Sunday afternoon, I love Kansas City's chances here. And if the Chiefs win this game, that'll move them to 11-4, and and there's probably a chance they're going to lock up the number one seed in the next week or two. So that's a great game to watch. But the Steelers, if they pull off an upset, well, then all of a sudden they're going to be in the conversation at 8-6-1 and in the AFC North. And the nightcap, we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, Washington and the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that's a great game. It's an old-school NFC East game with a defense in Washington that's kind of punched above their weight in the last couple weeks, played above their heads, and a Cowboys team that I think, you know, kind of played down to the level of competition with the Giants last week. If they can put on a show on Sunday night and they can look explosive with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, those two running backs and Dak Prescott, we know what you're getting out of the defense. You have Michael Parsons who's legitimately in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year after making his first Pro Bowl this week. If that defense can lock down Washington the same way Philadelphia did, well, they might be hanging a banner or at least giving out hats and T-shirts at AT AT&T Stadium on Sunday night against the Washington football team. It's going to be a great weekend. It's a great weekend anyway with family. The holiday season really reaching a crescendo. Hopefully everybody stays safe out there and enjoy the weekend. It's going to be a great slate of games in the NFL. Again, thank you as always for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to Stacking the Box. Please leave a five-star review for Stacking the Box mentioning the Matt Lombard show and next week Cole Thompson who's been instrumental in putting this podcast together each and every week Cole Thompson will be hosting this show in my place I will talk to you in 2022 thanks to Cole Thompson for everything he does each week thanks to Mark McMillan for joining us this week on the podcast have a very Merry Christmas a safe happy healthy and prosperous new year I'll talk to you in 2022 right here on the Matt Lombardo show inside fan-sided stack in the box podcast feed. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Play season-long best ball, fantasy drafts where you only focus on the most fun part of fantasy, drafting your team. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. Underdog handles the rest for you. No waivers, trades, or setting your lineups each week. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100, get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.